Mac Power Users, Episode 210, Task Management. Welcome back to the Mac Power Users Podcast. It's been a while, David. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with David Sparks. How are you? Katie Floyd, I've been to your land now. You have. You have been. And uh, was it was it humid and your new haircut, everything you, you thought it would be? Uh, you know, I was surprised at how humid it was. I knew it was pretty bad, but it was kind of funny when we came home, I looked on my phone and it was something like 96% humidity in Orlando. And then when we that's, landed in that's LA. That's it? Only yeah, 96? landed in Jeez. LA. It was, was like 52. I'm like, okay. I also now understand why everybody in Florida has multiple UPS devices in their homes. I, I saw more lightning in Florida in five minutes than I've seen in California in 10 years. Yeah. It, it is happens. crazy. Uh-huh. It's, it's pretty- crazy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny because, you know, people like me who never see lightning are like fascinated and setting, I was setting up my iPhone on a little tripod to shoot some slow-mo video. And <laughs> I was just, you know, and like all the native Floridians are like, just get out of my way. This is just another day here. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people I think, f- do you have a, do you have a UPS on your UPS? I think I, you might need one. I might, I might. Well, actually, you know what? I do because I have a whole house surge. So, well, it's not a battery backup, but I have a whole house surge suppression system. And then I have UPSs all throughout the house. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, the, anyway, the, the I power, had a good time. The power goes out here, and it, it doesn't phase me. A lot of, not a lot of people, but some people here have generators, because when, when a hurricane hits, we'll be out for, you know, a, a week or more. Well, if, if I lived where you do, Katie Floyd, I would get in a car and drive down to Harry Potter World in Universal. You know, I had tickets to Harry Potter World, and they got stolen. By family members, but yeah, I I was given four tickets to Harry Potter World for my birthday, and um, I went to ask about using them, and my mom said, oh, I gave those to your brother and his girlfriend. I was like, excuse me? She said, well, Well, I I didn't didn't think you'd use them. They just just recently opened Diagon Alley like a month ago. It was was amazing. You know, my girls and I read the book together, so we, we all feel this affinity towards Harry Potter, and my goodness, it's like you're there. I I can't get over the attention to detail. It's like Disney caliber, which is kind of weird because the Universal Park in general doesn't feel that great to me. But boy, you get in Diagon Alley and it's you're in a, you're transformed. So I have a, a very important something I've always wondered. What does butter beer taste like? Uh, like butterscotch. Oh. It's actually quite good. Get the frozen one. Especially in Florida in August. Oh, frozen butter beer. Okay. Yeah. I got the cup. I got the cup to prove it. Brought it home. Good for you. Oh, it's fun. Go go check it out. Anyway, um, that's not why we're here today. Uh, we were looking at our, our show history, and the last time we took on task management seriously was in November of 2009. There have been a few changes since then. Yeah, there there have and there haven't, but I thought it was time to go back to task management and just kind of see how things are going. That was the 13th show we did in our so far 210 show run. It was called the Task Manager Smackdown because at the time I was a omni-focused devotee and you were using things. So we talked about how we how we got work done in relation to those two applications and 
And uh, I, I must have done a pretty good job because at some point you switched over to OmniFocus. Yeah, not long, not long after that. Yeah, um, but uh, this is not a uh, and OmniFocus does sponsor us, and we will be talking about them. But this is not an OmniFocus show. It's a task management show. It's kind of covering the whole gamut. And I think that the starting point for me is to say if you're going to get into task management. Uh, there's a principle in, in the law they call the least intrusive means. I mean, what's the least intrusive way to do something? I think that applies to task managers. You want the least intrusive task manager uh, based on what you're doing. So the idea behind this show is we're going to talk about task managers at different levels of complexity and what we like and dislike about them as we work our way down the stack. And hopefully by the end of the show, you'll have a pretty good idea about what a good task manager is based on the kind of needs that you particularly have. And we're also going to talk about a little bit of uh, tips and tricks from the trenches and pitfalls that people fall into trying to manage their tasks. Yeah. So that's the general outline. Yeah. Before let's go back to that idea of the least intrusive task manager, because I think as, as geeks, we tend to, want to have, you know, the coolest tool that we can possibly find, you know, the, the transformer, the solution that doesn't want anything and everything. And, and what can we fiddle and what levers can we flip and what buttons can we press? And that's fun for a little while, but at the end of the day, the goal of this is to actually get stuff done with your task management system and not have that task management system being something that you're constantly fiddling with. And I know my task management has evolved, but my life has evolved. And you famously tell the story about how your original task management system was a napkin. And I don't know that I ever used a napkin for my task management system, but I certainly used to have much more simplified task management systems and Boy, those were the good old days, weren't they? Yeah. Well, when I was in law school, I had a very simple life. All I had to do was go to school and get good grades and do my work. And then I had a couple little side jobs, but none of them. I mean, I worked at Disneyland. <laughs> my job was to go to work and shoot at hippos. I, I didn't have to like have tasks related to that job. I just showed up and did my job. So step um, one, get on boat. Step two, tell silly jokes. (laughs) Step three, shoot hippo. (laughs) So over step four, repeat over and over again. (laughs) But the, um, uh, so I, you know, every morning I'd have a beverage and I would have a napkin and I don't know how I got into the habit of doing it, but I did it for three years where I would, finish my breakfast and I would write down three things I was going to do that day. I probably read it somewhere and I would fold it in half and stick it in my pocket. And then at the end of the day, I would hopefully have those three things checked off and it, it served me well. Um, but you know, I gets more complex. But even in the heart of all that complexity, I still sometimes revert back to not a napkin. I use a post-it note, but that very simple task management system. I have all the bells and whistles. I have OmniFocus. I have everything set up with it. But sometimes when things just get crazy, I write down a couple of things on a post-it note that I want to do or that I have to do that day before I leave. And I close everything down and I stick that post-it note next to my keyboard or on my monitor or someplace. And I start checking stuff off or I write a very simplified list. And that helps me sometimes. Yeah. Or even like if you've got a whiteboard in your office, you can sometimes just write down two or three things on it. And I think that serves a purpose. My guess would be you do that when you're feeling overwhelmed. Right. That's true. 
and you're, you're feeling so overwhelmed that you don't even want to stop to figure out what you need to do. But in your guts, you know, there's two or three things that just have to get done. So if I can just check off these three things then I can feel a little bit better and maybe dive back into the big pool. And the, pro the problem that you and I have is we're not just law school students anymore, well, at least just law Speak school students. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, you're, you've got a few more responsibilities. You're a podcaster and you're a writer and you're an attorney and you're, you know, a brother and a daughter. And you've got all these relationships and people and things depending on you and these clients. So you can't if you just use the system of three things every day on a napkin, you're going to blow it. You're going to blow it for somebody and you're probably going to get yourself in trouble. You may lose your job or do you know, who knows what. So you've got to have a more complex system. And and we're going to talk about that. But there there are very good complex systems available. But I think the first step is to stop and ask yourself, you know, where are you in life right now? If you're listening to this and, you know, your kids are grown and you're semi-retired, or if you're just getting started and you don't have a lot of responsibilities yet, um, you may find that you're pretty happy with some of these simpler solutions because one of the real risks to doing task management is not doing, but just doing task management. Well, that sounded kind of Zen, didn't that? What I mean is you can spend three hours a day fiddling with your task list and one hour a day checking things off, which is probably a pretty bad use of your time. So uh, that's one of the pitfalls you can fall into with this stuff is you can get so good at fiddling with your list that you, you never accomplish anything. Well, if you have a simple system, you're never going to fall into that trap. If you've got a napkin you fold up and put in your pocket, you're never going to spend more than you know 30 seconds a day filling out that napkin and sticking it in your pocket. And that leaves the rest of the day to check those three items off. And if you can make that work for you, go for it. I mean, you're going to save yourself a lot of time and trouble. But that's just not that's not going to work for a lot of people. And and even though, you know, like Katie's saying, once in a while, you may need to revert to that because you're feeling stressed. That still doesn't solve the problem of managing all these tasks for all these projects in your life. I agree. Um, one of the so, things I wanted to talk about before we got into it in depth was just the idea. And I know this is going to sound pedantic, but um I, I really prefer the word tasks over to do's. I, I know a lot of people kind of use them interchangeably, but it, I don't know. I, I like tasks because they imply to me that there's some kind of structure to it and it's going to get somewhere in it. I, I don't know why it is, but I, I'm just going to refer to them as tasks through the show. Uh, that being said, if you go into the app store and search for tasks or to do's, you're going to find about a, a million applications. And I, I may not be... I honestly may not be um, exaggerating when I use the number a million that have <laughs> tasks or to-dos attached to them. What connotation does to-dos bring to you that you don't like? It's, it's more like a informal list of items. You know, tasks to me are something designed to finish a project. I don't know how I got on that, um, but for years I've always felt like you call them tasks. You don't call them to-dos. A to-do is... Um, uh, a to-do to me is um, something more like, you know, uh, you know, paint over a nail hole in the wall or something. It's like almost like a honeydew list or something. But a task is, is something that's going to move you towards a goal. 
I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. It's just, it's one of my hangups. Okay. Whatever works for um, you, though. Yeah, but anyway, so I call them tasks. But the, you know, getting started, though, what is the least intrusive task manager? I think it is the napkin or the piece of paper or the note card. And I guarantee you I'm going to get a bunch of emails from people when the show goes live saying, hey, you know, that's all you needed. You shouldn't have even done the rest. It works for me every day. And like I said, if you can make that work for you, that's great. But if you've got multiple areas of responsibility and if you've got, you know, a life where dropping the ball on one of those things is going to result in, you know, disappointing your children or getting somebody sued or, you know, not making your mortgage payment that month you're probably going to need something more complex. Um, but let's just, let's just uh, go through this exercise a little bit in terms of the pen and paper system. You know, the show's called Mac Power Users. Um, there are some pretty nice solutions out there with an analog pen and paper. I'm going to look up a link for it. I know that Dave Kaolo, I hope I didn't mispronounce. I have met Dave and I never get his name right. Um, uh, uh, and he's written at TUAW and he's written in various places over the years. He uses a system where he prints out a piece of paper and carries it around with him. And he's very happy with that. Uh, Merlin man at one point had, what was it? The hipster, hipster PDA, uh, P- he, he, hipster PDA, which was a set of note cards that he would fold in half and, and connect with a binder clip and stick in his pocket. Um, I had my napkins, um, you could also do it just, you know, if you're in an office all day, I mean, you could distinguish it between work and home. You could just have a list. You could have a, um, you know, you just have a three ring binder where you write down a list of things for work. Um, for years, I did it on paper when I was at the early days of my law career with the Franklin planners. And then later it became Franklin Covey, the companies merged. But um, it was a thing where I had a daily journal and I could write down in the margin. And then I could, the next day I could, you know, carry them over if I didn't finish them. All that stuff still works. Now did Franklin Covey, I've seen those and I've seen the day timers and things like that. Did they have a specific system associated with task management, uh, like a competitor to the GTG, GTD system or something different? Well, I mean, Stephen Covey had the seven habits of highly effective people, I think was the name of it. Right. Which was a really good kind of system to kind of get your act together. And then there was also a series of recordings done by the guy from Franklin. And I want to say his name was Hiram Smith, but I'm not certain. But I thought he did a very good job of explaining it when I was getting started. And he used a priority system where you would write down all your tasks and then you would go through them and you would prioritize them A, B, and C. So let's say you had, you know, 10 or 15 tasks. You'd put A next to a few and B next to a few and C next to the rest. And then he would recommend that you number them, you know, so within the individual priority. So you'd go through the A's and put, you know, one, two, three next to each of the A tasks in whatever priority you chose. And then you would work through that list during the day. And at the end of the day, you would, uh, figure out which ones you finished and which ones you didn't. And you could draw a line through them or advance them, you know, turn your notebook literally to the next day. You, it was like a defer date or a start date and you could write them down again. So you, of course you had to manually carry them over from day to day to day. And if you didn't do that yeah. every day, you would lose things. Yeah. But even back then I would, I would be smart about it. I would say like, if I didn't finish something today and, it was a Friday. I would 
and it was work-related, I may say, well, I'm going to be in court on Monday, so I'm going to put this to Tuesday. So I wouldn't see it until Tuesday. So I, in a lot of ways, I was doing OmniFocus type management before, you know, OmniFocus was a glimmer in uh, Omnifo- OmniGroup's eyes. But it was very similar, but it was more time-consuming. And the prioritization method at the time, I thought, was golden, that I could go through and prioritize A, B, and C. Uh, in hindsight, what I was doing is I was writing down too many things. I was carrying too many tasks and not really being very smart about it. And, you know, there were several problems with that system. But I think I threw them out a while ago. But for I used to have binders and binders for years of these these daily planners that I carried around with me. It seems the fundamental problem with one of these analog systems is there's a limit to the type of the number of tasks, the sheer number of tasks or projects that you can keep track of in there, or at least with any any type of granularity, because you're going to write down what a dozen things, maybe two dozen things, and then do some and carry the rest over. But how many active tasks do you currently have in OmniFocus? And, no, and, and yeah, by, by active, I mean, you know, even tasks that are set to do, you know, months or even a year in advance from now. But those are still yeah. things that are out there. Well, I mean, it, another example of a problem with it is um, because of my day job, I have certain tasks that happen maybe once every two years. You know, something related to a client. Uh, I just did a thing for a client where in two years we're going to have to decide whether or not to renew a contract. And the way the contract's written, there's a very short time period where we can give notice. And so I I had to set a task for myself in 20 months, you know, and and a second task in 22 months from now. So I had that would not have been possible back in the Franklin Covey days because I wouldn't have a binder with me two years out. Um, So there are limitations. Another limitation of a paper system is you know, data management and data display uh, using a, a modern task manager. I can organize tasks by project or by context or priority if, if that's my thing. Um, so I can display the data in a lot of ways. Whereas if you've got it on paper, you just, there's only really one dimension to that organization. And the system starts breaking down if you've got a complex set of tasks to deal with. Another problem with it is, you know, sometimes things go away and I'm going to talk about later about how it's important to review tasks and sometimes kill a project. And if I've got five or six tasks spread out over the next couple months in my planner and I decide to kill the project, what am I going to go flip through it and try and find each one of them and cross it out or just leave them on there and hope I remember when, you know, just it, it becomes unwieldy very quickly. Well, do you think at this point that, that analog-based task management systems can work for anybody now? Because I, you know, we, I've, I've just started this master's program and I ended up going to orientation. And, you know, they give you a little bag full of goodies at, at orientation. You, you pay a price for it, don't worry. But uh, one of the things that they gave me, which I, I promptly pitched in the recycle bin, was this, this planner. And I think they gave them to every student at the university. And of course, it's filled with advertisements. That's how they afforded to print them and, and hand them out to all of the students. But it, it's about half advertisements. And then the rest of it is a week by week calendar. And then along you know the side of it, it's got tasks and, and things to do. And I thought, oh, what a, what a piece of junk. And I immediately discarded it. But then I noticed the first week of class, there are dozens of them out there that people are using. 
Well, it's better than nothing. My kids sure. went through, my daughter went all through high school with a, a paper planner. And my 12-year-old just started middle school. And the first thing they gave her was a paper planner. And they kind of gave her a lesson in how to use it. And I noticed that she's using it. So, I mean, I think it all gets back to, you know, how complex do you need it? Where are you at in your life? I think a paper planner can work. I know an attorney who swears by his paper planner. And every time he sees me get my OmniFocus out, he gives me the speech about how I'm a nerd and I'm not, you know, I'm making things more complex than they need to be. But um, the way that person uses a paper planner is much more it's much more basic than the way I use a task management system. So that works for him. And he, and the big things on his list get done. So I would, I wouldn't dismiss it entirely. That being said, someone listening to this show, I suspect is willing to go a little deeper and there's some really great solutions out there. Even if you're looking for something simple, uh, you know, another advantage of going digital over paper is, you know, you can back it up and you can have it present on more than one device. Uh, when when I first started going digital with tasks was with the original Palm Pilot. That's probably that's probably where it happened for me too. Yeah, and 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 that to was, me, it was that was very simple because it was just a list with a checkbox. Yeah, and I I wasn't entirely sold at the beginning because um, there were advantages to the paper system. So you know, it, it really took a few years for me to really figure out a system. And boy, I've been through so many applications over the years. Uh, the longest one I've ever stuck with is OmniFocus, and that that one I've been with since it was orig- an original beta. But but like I said, not everybody's going to have these deep deep needs, so there are some solutions out there for you. And I, I thought we'd start by talking about that. Um, as I said earlier, if you go in the App Store and search to do or task list, you're, you're going to be overwhelmed with the options. And uh, you know, our show is not going to be 10 hours. I'm not going to go through all the various applications in the app store that will manage tasks. But if you're looking for that basic level kind of task list where you've got a list of items and you probably want them to show up on your Mac and your iOS device, I think the starting point really is uh, Apple's app reminders. I use reminders quite a bit actually. And I used the predecessor to reminders before I started using things. I, I guess if you can call, do you remember the calendar app? Was it called calendar before? What was it called? iCal. iCal yeah. at one point got task management integration with it. And it was, it was very simple. It was just a list of tasks that you could check off and set due dates for. And that was my original task management system when, when I went digital or at least when I got off the Palm pilot and, and went digital on the Mac uh, the iCal task management system was my built-in task management system. And that worked very well for a certain period of time. In fact, I think I, I used that through, um, you know, uh, right up until I uh, got something more complicated like like things. And that's the, the precursor to reminders. But I still use reminders for some things because some things I feel just don't need to be in a in a task management system. And, and that may be heresy for some folks. But, you know, for example, I don't put my shopping list in my task management system. Um, that's just to me, it's too cumbersome to to manage this this big omni project called shopping. And 
you know, context of the grocery store down the street and then start putting all of all of the things that I need. It's much easier for me to either quick enter it on my iPhone or hit the button and talk to Siri and say, remind me to buy bananas. And yeah, the, um, I, I kind of consider OmniFocus like sacred ground. <laughs> That's where I put the tasks that allow me to get whatever I need done rolling and I don't use it as a list as a list tracker and that that's a whole separate category of apps in fact I've got it later in the outline here I want to talk about that because it's easy to to confuse us now you can use most to do or task apps or even something as powerful as omnifocus to manage those lists I'm not sure whether you want to or not um, but but just getting back to reminders as a task manager it is absolutely a good option. Um, uh, I know Federico Vitici, who's been on our show, I know at least recently he was saying that he does all of his task management reminders. And, you know, Federico's got his life simplified enough that he doesn't need all the bells and whistles and that that does it for him. But but he's still a pretty busy guy. Yeah, that's impressive, isn't it? Uh, So so reminders, how reminders works is you've got a series of lists and using the magic of iCloud, these series of lists are automatically synced between all of your devices. You're not going to have the ability to set context or, or um, some of the other kind of more detailed data. Uh, it's, it's not easy to manage the tasks within those lists, like pushing them off several days is not nearly as easy as, as it is with something like OmniFocus. There's no review system. I mean, there, there's just a lot of the pieces of a more advanced task management system that aren't present. But for the basic use of saying, I want a set of lists that I want to be able to add things to quickly, Reminders is free. It's already on all your iOS devices and your Macs, and it already syncs, which is the starting point. Then you add to that that it's developed by Apple, so they've, you know, it's got a nice design, and it's got some nice bells and whistles that aren't available in other applications, like... Siri integration and what was what was the context you said add something to your grocery list what did you say a minute ago oh shopping list yeah add uh, add eggs to my shopping list so you can add multiple okay, so, lists yeah so you could say add eggs to my shopping list if you've got a shopping list in reminders it will add eggs to your shopping list putting that in a task management perspective let's say at work you could say um, add call Jim Jones oh I shouldn't use that name he was a bad guy um Add call Jim Smith to my uh, Acme client list. You know, so you've got to, I, I screwed that up. But either way, you, you've got a list based on a client or a project. And you could say, add something, something to my something list. And Siri will put it on there. It's a great way to add things quickly. When you're walking down the street, if you've got your headphones plugged in and you've got the little button, you can tap it and do that. Um, I... This is for me, in fact, I wrote an article for Macworld on this. This is to me the ultimate list manager. Um, it's not good enough for my for my task list management, like, and I'm going to explain why when we talk about OmniFocus later, but it's great for me to manage those running lists like Katie's shopping list. And I've got a bunch of these open in reminders. I think I've got probably 20 different lists and reminders. Let me look real quick. The the other thing while you're looking for that, that I think it's good for, and we'll talk about this a, a little bit later, is collaboration, because there is still not a great way to collaborate easily 
with people on simple tasks. I mean, there's there's project management, and that's that's a whole different category that we're not really going to get into right now. But what if I just want to share tasks with somebody? Um, yeah, that's that's certainly something that you can do with the reminders by using iCloud sharing. Yeah, so long as everybody's on iCloud. You can do that. And you can, it used to be you had to, it was really wonky. You used to have to go to iCloud.com and do it from there, but they fixed that. Now you can do it within the application. And as a, some, as a example, kind of a poor example really is like the family grocery list at the Sparks house that's shared with everyone in the family. We've got several like grocery target, um, hardware store. We've got a couple of these. So whenever I'm at the grocery store, I just open up the grocery store list and reminders, and there'll be things on there that I may have added or my wife or children may have added, and I can just pick it up on there and they'll do the same for me. And that's really easy to do in the reminders application. So you share it with a few other iCloud members and you're in business. Now, if you're going to do task management, um, you could do the same thing. Like if you were working with a, a partner on a, a specific project, you could set up a shared task list. Now, if I was going to do that, I've never done that for task management. I guess you and I could try it for our show at some point if we wanted, mm. but I would probably, what's wrong with that? I don't want you giving me tasks. I, I'm much more willing to do that than to let you into my OmniFocus. I'm just saying that. Uh, but you could, if you were going to do that, I think I would, I think I would set some rules. Uh, for instance, uh, you may want to uh, designate a name for each task so you know who's responsible for what. Um, we have a shared list uh, relating to our vacation packing. You know, I, I've been talking about this vacation way too much. But when before we left, you know, we had this shared list and reminders of packing, of things we wanted to pack. And a lot of the items we would put in there would have a person's name next to it. You know, dad, you know, would be the camera batteries and the, you know, iPhone cords or whatever. And then maybe Sarah was going to do the sunscreen. So we would, we would have a specific person identified with specific tasks. So everybody knew what their job was. You can do that on a shared task list through reminders. I just think you, you start, it starts getting a little creaky very quickly because you don't have the ability to, to really sort and organize and do a lot of other things you could do. Um, with a, a more robust system. But hey, Federico pulls it off. Yeah, we should talk to him about that next time he's on the show. Yeah. But hey. I, I think the trick is, you know, once again, getting back to this is finding a system that requires you to spend, uh, invest as little time as possible managing it so you can actually be checking off items. Agreed. So I know you've got a couple of other uh, task management systems that you, you want to talk about here, but can I take a break first? And yes, I, I didn't realize we've been going a while, haven't we? Yeah, well, you know, you get you started talking about task management and yeah, boom. Such an, I'm such a nerd. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about something else that's cool, and that is our first sponsor, and that is the fine folks over at Agile Bits and their premier product, 1Password. And we got a lot of big news about 1Password in the past couple of weeks, and it's just really exciting. First off, that, uh, you know, for the few of you who are interested, 1Password uh, 4 for Android has come out. I know. Aren't you excited? No? I'm going to download it right now. I think, I think you should. But probably, well, and that's great because I know we have some some Android users on the show, and it, it's it's pretty cool. They they've got a big write up about it on their Agile Bits blog. But what I am 
really excited to tell you about with 1Password, uh, and I've known about this for a little while, and they finally have made it public now, is that uh, 1Password is doing a major, major update for uh, iOS 8. They are taking full advantage of extensions. Uh, they are taking full advantage of Touch ID, and it is just going to be awesome. So if you head over to their website, blog.agilebits.com, They've given some examples. They've got some videos. Uh, they have created extensions for other developers to incorporate into their app. And, oh, I wish my bank would do this, but it's a it's a big conglomerate bank, and I don't know if they will. But just imagine if you've got an app that has a login or you have to log in using certain credentials, how cool would it be if you could, from within that app, invoke an extension to, to pull in the credentials from 1Password? You can do that now. They wrote that. And developers, all you have to do is go over to the 1Password website, or better yet, just go over to their, their GitHub repository and, and download the info and add the code to your app. And boom, 1Password integration. Done. Uh, it, it's just, oh, I'm so excited about what 1Password is doing with iOS 8 because they're going to have a browser. They're working on a browser extension. They're working on extensions for other apps. They're working for to bring Touch ID so that you can just unlock things. And so you've got the entire world that you can unlock with, with just your your finger and your 1Password password. I guess you don't even need your 1Password password anymore because if you've got your, your finger or your thumbprint with you, you're good to go. And they've got little previews on their website of all of this that they've been working on. But the best part, and personally, I think they're a little insane for doing this, but whatever, uh, is they've announced that they're going to give this all away for free to current 1Password users. So if you are not using 1Password, what are you waiting for? A lot of people said, oh, I'm going to wait till the update. Oh, I'm going to wait wait until iOS comes out before I do anything. Uh, no problem. Go ahead. Get 1Password. Get it set up. Get started going with it now. And then when all of these great new features come out with iOS 8, they're already doing the work. They're going to be ready to go. Uh, boom. You're just going to have an amazing new experience with 1Password on iOS 8. And oh, I am so excited. I can't even... Can't even tell you. Yeah, isn't that a great idea? Just use your thumb to unlock one password. <laughs> I'm so in. Yeah, it's a little scary. So you can find more information about the one password app. Oh, I didn't even tell you what one password does. I guess I should tell you uh, that one you all know what one password does by now, but one password allows you to create and store unique passwords for all of your different websites, all of your different services, uh, using only your one master password to be able to access it. So there is no reason for you to use poor passwords ever, ever, ever again. You can have unique, strong passwords for all of your sites. You can store secure notes. You can store software information. All of that can be stored safely in one password, and you're going to be able to get to it just with a press of your finger. So go learn more about 1Password at onepassword.com. Go buy it now before their upgrade to iOS 8 comes because they're going to give it away to you. They're just that cool. So uh, thank you to 1Password. You can get 1Password on your Mac, on your iPhone, on your iPad, now on your Android device. So all of your data syncs seamlessly across the cloud anywhere you want to go. Uh, check them out at onepassword.com, and uh, we'll be talking more about them later. Yeah, getting back to reminders, there's there's some nice elements to reminders that a lot of people aren't aware of. One of them is you can make it location aware. So if you've got a, a task and you want the reminder to appear when you're near something, for instance, you could say, you know, if I'm at the the grocery store, the local grocery store, remind me to buy cereal. 
and it'll do that for you. It's also got the ability to set them based on time, which is nice. Um, one of the downsides of this, in my opinion, is that it, it doesn't really lend itself to frequent use because it has to be done on a item by item basis. So are you really going to go through your grocery list and add a location aware tag for, you know, the 15 items on your grocery list? I mean, I, I, I don't think I will. And, and to be honest with you, I've never really felt the need to do that. I, yeah. I mean, don't uh, you, don't you know when you're in the grocery store to pop open your grocery list? Yeah, I mean, it's a habit for me now. And so when I go in the grocery store, I open the grocery store list. Because a lot of times, because we share it, stuff shows up that I didn't put on there. And I didn't know we needed. And then if I don't open it and I get home and uh, my wife or kids say, hey, where are the Doritos? And I don't have them. I'm in the doghouse. I can't be in the doghouse. Hey, I'm let, in the doghouse enough. Let me take this moment, since you, you mentioned the word habit, to to ask it's a little off topic here, but what do you put in your task management system? Because, you know, I know some people who, and I think part of it's a joke, say, oh, I put things like tie my shoes in there so that I can just have the pleasure of check something off. And yeah, that's yeah. that's funny and all. But, uh, you know, at, at, there's a lot of stuff that I just do throughout the day because I always do it. Um, you know, at, at this point, I don't have a task anymore in my task management system. I did initially shortly after I moved when my schedule changed, but I don't have a task in my task management anymore to take out the trash every Monday night. That's just something that I know that I have to do and I just do it. Yeah. And I think there's a line there for everybody. And there's, there's a couple different problems involved. The first one is this bloat you get in your task list, no matter what system you use, if you if you get it so big that it's overwhelming and you find yourself in that spot that you think it's going to take you an hour to figure out your task before you start your day, well, you're either not going to get any work done and you're going to spend the whole day fiddling with tasks or you're just going to ignore the whole system. And either way, that's a failure. Um, uh, so adding tasks like, you know, tie my shoes is doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I, another end of that spectrum is when things get really hairy. Like I, um, I just recently had a case go to trial and I had to do these, these big, big examination outlines for these witnesses. And I knew that each one was going to be a big project, but throughout the case I had been saving and tagging exhibits. And I had, I have a whole, that's a whole nother like show about how I was managing data and knowing what I wanted to use in the exam outlines. But OmniFocus wasn't part of any of that. So I have a whole other system in place for me to write these exam outlines. So the task in OmniFocus is write Smith exam outline. And that's it. You know, that's a, that may be a full day project, but it's just one little item in my task list. I think you, you have to, you know, you have to be smart with respect to your own needs and decide how you're going to do that stuff. Um, I don't write things in there just for the joy of checking them off. But if there's something, if there's a habit I'm trying to get into, I may have um repeated tasks in there like uh i i got out of the habit at some point i think katie floyd you may be the one who turned me on to this of just doing a good week re i'm very good at getting things started at the beginning of the week but at the end of the week a lot of times i'm just tired and i want to go home mm -hmm. and i got in the habit of adding four o'clock friday just to stop and take stock of what happened in the past week and figure out how that works into the next week and um for a while I, you know, that was difficult for me to remember to do. So I had a task that would show up on Fridays to plan time for that and blah, blah, blah. But after I, I kind of incorporated that into my 
my routine. Once it became a habit, I, I killed it and I just, I killed the task and I just do it now automatically. Well, then that raises another question. And again, this not related to any specific task management app, but when does something become a task and when does it become an entry in your calendar? Because to me, if if you truly are going to spend and block off every Friday at four o'clock and use that as weekend review, what I do is I block off on my calendar every Friday at four o'clock, four to five o'clock on my calendar. It just says, uh, you know, review and people yeah. know occasionally I have scheduled things in that time. If it's, if that's just the only time we can get something scheduled, but people just know that that's an appointment and you schedule around it. So I wouldn't have a task for that type of thing. I would yeah, have so an appointment. My, my, my task in that case was plan time for review because four o'clock doesn't always work for me. And there's some other things going on on Fridays where I don't always know. I can't have a reliable set time for that. So I just needed to make time. Um, but anyway, yeah, that and that's actually another question that comes up quite frequently when I write about task management is they'll say, this is great, but how do you incorporate that into your calendar? And the answer is usually I don't. If I'm planning tasks, I don't put them on the calendar. I, a, a calendar is a block of time, whereas a task is something I need to check off, something I need to get done. Um, sometimes I will um, block off time for large projects like the aforesaid exam outline. Let's say I would just block one day and say, I'm going to work on exam outlines that day. And I would fill it in the calendar as eight hours and people would know not to interrupt me. Um, but, but usually my tasks don't have corresponding calendar entries. And, and in the same vein, a lot of my calendar entries don't have really much relation to my task list. Okay. In my, in my head, they're two separate things. Um, sometimes there will, there will be tasks involved. Like if, if I've got a big project I want to do next Tuesday, and let's say I've, I've blocked time off to do this big project next Tuesday, and, and OmniFocus shows me a bunch of tasks related to getting that project done, I can go ahead and defer them till Tuesday at 1 p.m. or whenever I'm going to do it so I don't see them on my... So I can go to my task list at that point and see what, what's on the list. But that doesn't always need to happen. You don't sound convinced. Well, when I put something on my calendar, it it's an appointment. So I typically don't have double coverage. I typically don't have something both in my task management system and in my calendar. Now, I tend not to make, uh, for lack of a better word, more general appointments like this whole afternoon I'm going to work on XYZ project. I, I tend to... I, I guess you can, but I I tend not to do that big of a block of time and, and, and chunk it out because I just find that that doesn't work for me. Inevitably, you know, people just don't respect that. Inevitably, people will interrupt me. Inevitably, other things will come up. Um, so that just doesn't work well for me. But if yeah. I can understand why if if you did block off, you know, one to five on a particular day to work on a particular project, then, yeah, you would need to know what am I working on? And for that, you would go to that particular project and see, OK, what are my available tasks? What needs to get done? So That's I guess well, I, I tend to to book out smaller segments of time to do very specific tasks that I know I'm going to do on that specific date and that specific time. But I don't block out large blocks of time to do more general task, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. 
And that's one of the things I do with this Friday review time is I, I may grab some blocks of time the following week. And for me, the, the golden time to do that is early morning because I, I can get into the office before everybody else and I don't answer the phone. I don't, there's nobody to interrupt me. And sometimes I can get two hours before anybody shows up and I can get some, some good work done during that period. That may be the most productive two hours of the whole day. And so, so that's where I'll put those big blocks in. But getting back to task management, to the extent I've got tasks related to that big block project, I will just push them off and OmniFocus until that, that day and time. A lot of times there won't be any tasks related to it. It'll just be, you know, it'll just be time set off to, to go in and, and really roll up my sleeves and get to work on something. I don't want to be using that block time to manage tasks in OmniFocus or any task management application. I want to be using that block time to actually get the, the ball over the goal line. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Um, uh, another option, in addition to reminders, I guess maybe even reverting backwards a little bit, is a text file. I mean, text files are great now, especially with, you know, things like Dropbox Sync and some of these other syncing systems. If you want, you know, the digital version of the analog list, a text file works just fine. Gabe Weatherhead, who was on our show recently, um, has done a series of posts over at Mac Drifter talking about how he gets his task management done with a um, with text lists. Now, Gabe is a does a lot manages a lot of computers for a lot of people, and I would imagine it's a pretty complex list of things he needs to get done, and he's figured out a way to do that. Um, uh, I'm I'm not that interested in that kind of system because I feel like it, that to me would get too fiddly for me because I want there's too many things I want to do with the stuff that doesn't easily lend itself to text. I don't know. I don't think that would work for me either. Uh. Uh, we've talked about in the past things and things is still an actively developed task solution on the, uh, the Mac and the iPhone and the iPad, uh, Sam Sperlin, who's a friend of mine and a really smart guy loves things. He, he wrote some nice posts on it. I'm going to put a link in over at his website, the workologist.com on things. Um, I have not looked at it seriously in recent years because OmniFocus does such a good job of scratching the itch for me, but I know there's still people that use that. And then uh, we're going to talk in a minute about all these web solutions, you know, growing up now. I mean, the, the idea of managing your tasks with a, you know, the truth is in the clouds type system makes a lot of sense in this day and age where you have access to the Internet just about everywhere you're at. Wow, Katie. You're just- what about... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm device. having a little audio. <laughs> no, I I am. I'm sorry, I'm having a little audio hookup here. But what about some of these other app-based management systems? Like um, Clear, I know is one that was very popular, and uh, there's another one, um, Wonderlist. Wonder Wonderlist. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, Clear is uh, Clear is a competitor in my mind to Reminders. And they now have applications on iPhone and Mac. And I believe they have an implementation on iPad. I'm not certain, though. And it's it's delightful. It's one of these apps that they really spent a lot of time on the design. And it swishes and pops and does all this great stuff. And I think for a simple reminders type list, it um, it can definitely get the job done. The problem I have with it is... 
you know, it doesn't support Siri and that's not their fault, you know, but you know, Apple doesn't no. allow third parties to integrate with Siri. Uh, although OmniFocus did find a way around that. But um, so I, I really find the use, the ability to dictate into it very useful, but, but the, I think that's a good solution. If you're, you're kind of in the market for something that's simple, uh, that is one I would definitely buy and compare to reminders and see which one sticks to you better. Uh, Wonderlist is a different animal. Um, Wonderlist uh, is a web-based service. It's it's a subscription service, and it's based on the web, although they do have apps that connect with them. Um, Wonderlist has got some great ways of collaboration. I mean, that it's uh, I think it's a step above Reminders in that regard, where you can have multiple subscribers. It's almost like a project management list kind of thing. And uh, if you go to wonderlist.com, you can get a lot more information about what they're doing. And I know several uh, geeky people who swear by it. And we hear by every time the subject comes up, even remotely on the show, we get a series of, of questions from people that are using Wonderlist and want to know why they should bother with anything else because they're so happy with it. And um, my answer is always, if that's what works for you, then you shouldn't change anything. Uh, but the, the Wonderlist app uh, looks really nice on the iPhone and, you know, they know what they're doing over there. So that's another solution. Um, you know, kind of circling back to this issue of task lists versus, you know, uh, just item lists. Uh, there's an app that kind of belongs on the show and kind of doesn't. And it's called Checkmark 2. And I've always felt like Checkmark 2 mm. uh, it satisfies a real sweet spot for this stuff. Uh, you know that failing in reminders I was talking about earlier. Like if you have a grocery list, and and um, you want it to trigger every time you're near the grocery store. In order for that to work, you'd have to attach that to each individual item on your grocery list. And when you had new ones, you'd have to do it again, and it just would make you crazy very quickly. Uh, Checkmark two uh, attaches the um, location awareness to the list itself, so. Well, like we've got a Ralph's. I don't. Do you guys have Ralph's over there in Florida? Uh, no, but I've been in a. I was in a at a Ralph's when I was in San Francisco. Yeah. Okay, so that's a West Coast uh, uh, grocery chain, but there's one walking distance to my house, so I I could put Ralph's in and attach it to a grocery list and check mark two, and every time I walk by Ralph's, it could pop up and say, "Hey, you're near Ralph's and you need milk, so why don't you go get some?" Um, that's you know that's a nice feature and. I agree with Katie that a lot of times, you know, it's common sense when you go in the grocery store to open your list, but there may be other things that aren't as common sense places. You don't go as often like uh, the hardware store. I don't need to go there that often. So maybe it would be nice if my phone would remind me that I have something on my hardware store list and I happen to be within walking distance of one and checkmark two does that. I, I looked before the show started in the iOS beta, iOS eight beta, and it looks like they still haven't added that feature, which seems to me kind of, it's just odd to me that they would go to the trouble at Apple to add um, location awareness to individual task items, but not to a list. Cause it seems to me that, you know, they've done the hard work already. They've added location aware, but they, they've not attached it to the list. Well, what about because um, I think we've covered most of the the popular you know simple simple apps that are in the app store, but what about when you need to collaborate with somebody yeah. because that's that's still always been a problem in in my office. We use the the dreaded you know outlook um, 
you know, task where you can have shared tasks or someone can have access to your task. And that's never really worked well, but that's that's what a lot of folks in the in the office do. That is much easier now than it's ever been in the past. And uh, I've got I've got some advice here. But before we get to that, uh, I'm going to do an ad spot for our second sponsor today. And it's our friends over at SaneBox. In fact, SaneBox uh, mm-hmm. is a great sponsor for today's show because part of task management is dealing with email and email can quickly get in the way of getting anything done. And SaneBox is your answer to this problem. Uh, so what SaneBox does is it, it looks at your incoming email. It looks at who it's from and what the subject line says. And it compares that to how you've treated email from that person or with that type of subject in the past and attempts to sort it out for you. And when you first install it, the, the first thing they do is they give you a sane later folder and anything that comes in that they don't think belongs in your inbox, something that's not essential to you is going to go into that later folder. So imagine when you wake up in the morning where before you had 50 emails, now you may have 10 emails in your inbox and 40 emails in your later folder. And those 10 emails, because SaneBox is really smart, are going to be those 10 emails that you really do want to see in the morning. And the other 40 are things you can look at later. So that's the basic idea. But then it gets better because they have more folders they can add. They can add folders that look for news items or, you know, commercial solicitations. Um, uh, They've got one called the Sane Black Hole, where if you get an email, you put it in there, then SaneBox is going to automatically filter anything from that person in the future into the black hole and you'll never see it again. And then they keep adding on top of that. They've got filtering now that can look at the subject line where you can set up specific rules. So this is getting really close to fully web-based email management. And it works with any kind of email account. It works with IMAP. It works with Exchange or, you know, whatever you're working with, they can deal with it. Gmail even. Um, uh, then they add more features. Uh, they've got the ability to defer email. And this is something that has become absolutely essential to me where I've got a deferring email a day or three days, or I've got one set for Saturday. So when email comes in, I, that I know I want to deal with, but I just can't look at right now. I put it in the Saturday folder. It disappears from my life until Saturday and in my work account. I have one called Monday that I use largely the same way. The same box service can really change up your game for email. And if you're struggling with email, go check it out. It's not that expensive. You sign up for it. You get a free 14 day trial and they've got plans starting as low as $4 a month. Um, it's a lot more than filtering. They can move attachments for you to Dropbox. They can defer things when they have reminders, which is great too. Like I can send Katie an email about a question and I can uh, blind copy it to one week at sanebox.com. And in one week, if Katie hasn't responded that email, Sanebox will send me a reminder and I can follow up with her. It's just such a great system. They're really nice people. They are working really hard to solve the email problem for the rest of us. Um, and they've got a deal for you if you're a Mac Power Users listener. If you go to sanebox.com slash MPU, you can save $10 on any plan. So go to sanebox.com slash MPU. That makes us look good, and we always like that. But you're going to like it. In fact, the people at Sanebox were telling us that 66% of the Mac Power Users listeners that try the system sign up for it. They cannot get over how high the conversion rate is for Mac power users listeners. It's it's higher exponentially than anything else out there. And that's because our listeners are people that get it. You need a good system to help you manage email and 
And this is it. I love it. I use it with all my email inboxes and go check it out. Thanks, SaneBox, for supporting us. You can find them at SaneBox.com slash MPU. Okay, so getting back to collaboration, um, there yeah. are some really great solutions out because of the web. Because the web is everywhere. Uh, it used to be really difficult to figure out how do you collaborate with tasks. And, you know, the software was difficult to write. It was difficult to manage. You had to push sync buttons and things would inevitably blow up. But now that you've got this truth is in the cloud mentality, it's a lot easier now. Um, there's a couple solutions I've been using uh, recently. I signed up for a Basecamp account about six or seven months ago, and I started using it uh, in my day job. And, you know, I kind of went off the reservation. I'm in a law firm and there's a bunch of other lawyers there and everybody's got this fancy exchange system. And I got tired of trying to collaborate with clients because I, the nature of my work is there's, you know, a couple of people I work with intimately and it just was too much work to get, you know, attachments back from them and, and share task lists and things like that. So I just paid out of my pocket for a Basecamp account and I love it. It's great. So uh, Basecamp is really a lot more, and I think we may even do a show on it at some point than task management. But one of its features is you can have tasks assigned to a specific project and identified to certain people. And they've got applications on the phone and on the Mac and everywhere else. So you can, well, it's not an app on the Mac. You just uh, access it through the web, but um, everybody can see this shared task list. And when I check something off, it gets checked off on the Basecamp cloud server and everybody else sees it and it's immediate and there's no problem whatsoever. In fact, 5x5 now is starting to use Basecamp as well. So we're starting to use it to manage the podcast. Yeah, I saw that. And they're sending it out to all of their hosts. They're assigning tasks. It, it seems to work well for, for wrangling a, a big group of people and assigning tasks to them. So even I've used it with like groups of three and four and it's, it works great for that too. It, it's a really nice system. It doesn't have the power of something like OmniFocus, but it, the collaboration element of it is, is a power in and of itself. And if you're on something where you need to share it with people, that is a, a great system. I, I integrate it in a way, you know, violating one of the cardinal rules of having tasks in two different places but, you know, there are certain things where I will duplicate them over into OmniFocus if it's something I need to work on. Like if, if, if in, for instance, Basecamp, a client says, you know, go look at the Jones contract that we just uploaded to Basecamp, um, I will set up a project for myself in OmniFocus relating to that contract. I may need to do some research and do some other things and all that stuff will go into OmniFocus. I won't put that all in Basecamp. But when I'm done with it, once I finish the project, and OmniFocus, then I will tick tick the box in Basecamp so everybody knows that I I delivered. Uh, another one, yeah. That is to me, a, I, go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Katie. No, I was just going to say to me that would that would be a problem. Is ha again having two, things two places at once, but it seems like the way that you're using it is that you're using Basecamp just more so to keep people updated on what you're doing. And for people to keep you updated on what they're doing, it's not necessarily that's not necessarily your task management system, but it's 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 more maybe more of a status board than anything else. Yeah, that might be yeah. a good way to put it. It's it's the existence of a project, like the existence of a project review a contract. To me, there's actually more steps than that involved. If it's something simple, then it it would also be a task, and I would just do it and check it off. But if there's multiple steps involved, then I won't 
quantify those steps in Basecamp. I'll do that in OmniFocus. People don't want to see how the sausage is made. They just want they just want the sausage. Right. They just want to know that it's made. Yeah. Um, uh, another one that I've heard from multiple listeners that are fans of is Asana, A-S-A-N-A. I spent some time with this this week, you know, in preparation for the show, and it's really nice looking. It's a it's a good looking app to me. It's it's similar to Basecamp, but it's I think it's more list oriented than Basecamp is. Basecamp is more project management than Asana is. Although if you go to their website, I I guess you could disagree with me. Um, the uh, but it it is once again one of these things where you've got this great cloud solution, really attractive apps, well designed that allow multiple people to, you know, build different pieces of the widget and keep track of each other. Another one that people are talking about more recently is Slack. And Slack to me isn't really a task management system as much as it's a communication tool. It's kind of like a, you know, private chat tool. Uh, all of this stuff starts getting to the edge of, you know, a traditional Gantt chart project management type situation, which I don't really want to cover in the show because to me that's completely different. Uh, but for task management with groups, you do have a lot of options now. I mean, something as simple as reminders or something as complex as Basecamp, uh, there, there's a lot of ways to get this stuff done with a group of people. Katie, you were all worried that I would just stumble into OmniFocus after five minutes. I know. And we've been going, happen. we've been going for like an hour and, <laughs> and you haven't gotten into OmniFocus yet, but, but I'm, I'm ready to go there and, and we're going to talk about OmniFocus, but I think a lot of the principles that we're going to talk about is more about how, how we use OmniFocus. And I think a lot of that can be carried over into other task management systems. Absolutely. In fact, before we, we get to OmniFocus, I had some stuff in the outline I call big tat. Big task management tips. And that means, you know, what happens when you say, you know, reminders isn't cutting it for me. I'm not going to carry around some note cards in my pocket. I need a real, you know, big boy set of tools to deal with this, this problem. Uh, there, that comes with its own list of issues. And I hear, I hear from people all the time that, that I really respect and listen to our show that say, look, I am just not going to get into one of these fancy task management systems because I'm never going to get anything done. They're too complex. I don't need that in my life. I totally get that and understand why people may feel that way. Um, I can tell you my, my prejudice going into it is that uh, these systems do take a little time to figure out. And you do need to spend some time understanding how they work and how you can work with them. But it, it, the return on investment for that is is huge because as soon as you figure it out, you're going to be amazed at how much work you can get done. I I uh, I really attribute a lot of my ability to get things done with both you know a full time job and a publishing business and a podcast and as a dad and all this other stuff with my prowess at using an application like OmniFocus. And I, I really believe that if it didn't exist, I would have a lot of trouble managing or even accomplishing what I've been doing the last few years. So all that being said, there are the, these comes with inherent problems. And uh, one of them is that it's very easy to have this bloat to these systems where they become a thing in and of itself, where you spend your time managing the system instead of of actually pulling tasks off. I, um, 
And I think that's something we're going to address kind of in this discussion of OmniFocus specifically and task managers in general. But part of the problem is, is you. I mean, you need to be paying attention to how much you're putting into these things and how much you're, you're, you're taking on. There's a really great episode of Back to Work on this, and I'm going to have to do some research to find out where, which one it was. But I think at one point, um, Merlin and Dan did a show on getting things done. And, oh boy, I wish I could remember the analogy, but Merlin said something to the, oh, I think the analogy he used was parties. He said, would you agree to go to three different parties on the same night at the same time? And you wouldn't because that would be crazy because you can only be in one place at one time. So we all can accept that. But nonetheless, we all accept all these tasks and projects that we don't have time to do because we're already overcommitted. And one of the big problems I hear about people, and I really feel like I'm getting on a, 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 pul- a pulpit here. I, I'm not, <laughs> I keep talking, but, you know, I think one of the problems people have with these, these project, these task managers is not that, that the, ma- the system is failing them, but the fact that they can so easily quantify and write everything down on a computer and capture it quickly makes them think that they're, you know, that they don't sleep or that they have all this extra time that they don't. I mean, the ability to set up a project is much different than the ability to perform the project. So they take on too much. And then all of a sudden they look in the task management system and they don't even know where to start because they've got so many. And I think in that case, you know, no matter what software you use, it's not going to solve your problem. You're going to have to go through and get your machete out and start cutting things out. Well, I think that goes uh, back to a couple of fundamental problems. And and we talked about that before is that, you know, people think that it's fun to fiddle with their task management problem, uh, uh, task management solution. And in some degree, whatever that little chemical is that goes off in our brain, whether it's an endorphin or whatever, there's something in there in, in geeks like us, particularly when we put something in our task management system, especially when we check it off, but even just putting something in, it gives us a little ping that makes us feel like we've accomplished something. And perhaps you have because you've captured something that you need to do. Um, but it's not a game of putting as many things as possible in your task management system. It's not whoever has the most things in their task management system when they die wins. Um, you know, quite, quite the opposite. It's, it's what can you actually accomplish in, in your task management system is not supposed to be your, your wish list of things that you think that you can do. Um, and, and what has been really critical for me, and I'll tell you the new version of OmniFocus has really helped with this, uh, is the review system that has been implemented because it, it gives me an opportunity and the default is every week and I adjust that on most of my tasks, but every week, every two weeks, every month, every two months, every three months, I usually don't do review on tasks any less than every three months unless it's very specific to go through all of my projects and, and look at all of those tasks and say, am I ever going to do this? Is this done? Am I realistically ever going to need to do anything with this again? And a lot of times I add new projects because I think of things that I've forgotten to capture. But more often than not, I'm killing things. Yeah, and that's I mean, just as productive de- as anything else. The default question in my mind when I do a review is, can I delete this? Is this something I really need? Because there's so much stuff in my life that I really want to accomplish. I mean, I really want to go walk on the beach with 
my 17 year old before she starts college. I really want to write the next field guide. Um, so I, I'm so selfish about getting certain things done that anything that I can knock off the list, I want to knock off the list. And not only do you do that in a review process, you also do it um, as you're going through your task list on a daily basis and you see a task coming up and you may defer it into the future. And then suddenly you realize, you know what, I've seen this thing show up now three or four times. So I've deferred it three or four times. Well, does that mean it's just really important and I'm just super busy or does that mean that this doesn't make the cut and I should just delete it and not defer it anymore? Um, I think that that's something you have to constantly be aware of. But I think one of the ways you fall into the trap is that when you get a complex system or an efficient system, like, like OmniFocus, uh, it's, it's so easy to set up new projects and it's so easy to add things to your inbox that you just start putting them in there willy nilly and not applying that filter. And I would argue that another failing of us geeks is not only do we get an endorphin from putting something in, we feel like it's a precious thing once we put it in there and we're very resistant to deleting it because we've put it in and you need to let go of that. You need to delete stuff that you're not going to do. So that that's one of the problems. And um, so that a big task management tip is be sane about what you put into that list and always be looking at it to make sure that, you know, thing, things that you put in there at one moment may not make much sense anymore and get rid of them. And just because it's been there for six months doesn't mean it needs to be there for the next six months. In fact, if it's been there six months and it hasn't been completed, yeah, it probably, it probably means, means to go. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, so use the review process is another big tip uh, for a task management system. I, I don't know that there's any application. I haven't seen any other application that hand, handles review like OmniFocus does. There may be something out there if, if you're aware of it, send it in and we'll add it to the feedback show. But uh, one of the, the truly remarkable things about OmniFocus is, is the ability to automatically pop up reviews. And like Katie said, you can set those at any time you want. Now, the, the gospel, according to David, you know, for the GTD system is you, you go through them all every week. I've never done that. Um, there are some that I will go through every week, but most of them get I, I, some of them. I go through monthly. Sometimes I go through biweekly or maybe I've got some that I, I stretch out like six months if it's just checking up on a, a corporate project for a client. So it, it just depends. But. Every time I start to feel like I'm losing control of all the things I'm doing, it's because I've stopped reviewing. And if I stop and review everything, I always feel better. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about um, dates, start dates, due dates, when, when you see, because those are, those are concepts that are, are universal to many more project apps and not just OmniFocus. Um, yeah. Many, not all, but a few different types of apps have start dates that you can set. And that was huge for me because if I've got a project that I know that I'm not going to work on until next Tuesday, I don't want to see it until next Tuesday. I don't want it cluttering up my system. And and so that goes into the start date category. Now, one thing that I know that you do is that's a little different than what I do is I tend to set due dates for things because I, I have what I would call my, 
it may not be a true drop dead deadline, but it would be my goal for when I want something to be completed. And I'm not afraid to push back a due date or change something. But I understand that you rarely set due dates. Is that still the case? Yeah, I I only set a due date if something truly has a due date. And because that's when notifications start triggering and, you know, when things turn red. And I want when something to turn red for me to be genuinely concerned. And if I put due dates on too many things, especially things that don't really have a due date, um, I'm going to start ignoring that at some point. If I have 20 things that show is overdue, I just don't have 20 things that are going to be overdue at any point in my life. So then I'm going to ignore it. And there may be one or two things in there that do have an actual due date and I'm going to end up blowing it. So that's just kind of a method to protect myself. I feel like a lot of task management applications overly focus on due dates for tasks and ignore the idea of start dates or as OmniFocus now calls them defer dates. Um, I am really, uh, I, I am at my best when I'm able to keep a very trim task list, when I am able to keep it down to just, you know, like seven or eight items, which is on average what I have on a day. And, uh, and the trick for that is, is you actively using these defer dates and, and also just cutting out items that you're not going to ever do, but, but uh, using a deferred, sorry, I'm sorry. A, like, a question on that then is so if, from my perspective, and, and I, I won't put a due date for everything, but I have a couple of items that, you know what, I, I would like to get that out to the client by Friday. I don't have to. If it's Monday or Tuesday, it's fine. But I would like to get it out by Friday, so I'm going to set a due date for Friday. Or I would like to get this completed. I may defer that due date and push it back to Monday if something happens and comes up on my plate on Friday and it's just clear that that's not going to happen. But I may push it. But I don't casually set due dates. There's There's a reason behind them. But it, it it sounds like if you truly only have seven or eight things that are available at any given time, you must be constantly pushing your start dates or your defer dates. Well, every and morning constantly I go tweaking through. with them. Yeah. Well, every morning I go through and I when I do the review in the morning, I will even push items out within that day. It you know, so I want to get back to flags with you to talk about what you're doing with with. Due dates, yeah, because I, I don't use just, flags and maybe that's the problem. Yeah. Well, well, let me. All right, let's stop. Let's t- cover both of those things in order. The first of all is if something doesn't have a due date, but it's important. OmniFocus has a feature called flags. I started using them like eight months ago because I never used them much either. And I realized that there were things that were kind of important, but they really didn't have a due date. And I started flagging them. And like right now in my entire OmniFocus library, I only have 15 items that have flags attached to them. But they're flagged items and, and you can have a filter or a perspective on OmniFocus. It shows you the events that are available and have a flag. And, you know, you want to make sure before the day is over that those are fixed or, or taken care of. Um, the now getting back to the defer dates, I'm sorry, getting back, yeah, getting back to the defer dates and the number of items on my list. It is very easy to slide into this thing where you've got 50 items on your task list, especially if you're not good at trimming your your available tasks. Um, And that's when I get into trouble. So, you know, what I do is in the morning and I've talked about this on this show and I've done I did a presentation for the Omni group on it is uh, especially Monday and Saturday morning, but also just every morning. I get up. The very first thing I do before I start working is I open up my OmniFocus library and I may have 40 tasks showing up that day. 
and I will quickly go through it. And a lot of them, my, I have a, a perspective called today that organizes all the tasks that are available today by project. And I will go through and I will take a look and I may delete some of those tasks as I go through. I may push them off into the future and, you know, just generally manage it. Like if I've got a project on there and I say, oh yeah, that project. Okay. That's a big project. So I'll go in my calendar and say on Wednesday at 1 PM or Wednesday better yet at, you know, 5:30 AM from that time until eight, I'm going to fix this project. And I will just defer all the tasks related to that to Wednesday at 5:30 AM. And then they're off my plate for the day. I don't think about them anymore. And the other thing I do, so then at the end of the, the end of that first run through the list, maybe I've got it down to 20 items for today that I want to deal with. And I'll look at it and some of it will be related to writing my next book. And I will defer that to 6 PM because I'm not going to work on it until I get home. And after I've had dinner and then I'll look and it'll be there for me, but it's not going to happen today at work. Um, and then I'll say, Oh, I've got a, a client coming in to meet me at 1 PM. And I've got several tasks related to his that, that are going to follow that meeting. Well, I'll defer those to 1 PM. And very quickly, I've got my list down to six or seven items that I need to get done between uh, this morning and lunch. And it feels great because I can see that list get small and I get to see that list get emptied out. Then I go have my taco, right? With me so far? Yeah, I am. Okay. And then I show up at 1 p.m. and then there's, a, there's another set of tasks waiting for me. Now, that sounds fiddly to a lot of people listening to the show. It's not, because I can do it so quickly in OmniFocus. You go through it and tab, tab, tab. If you hit 1 p.m., just type the 1 p.m., then it's moved to 1 p.m. today. It knows that you're thinking about today. Tab, 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 uh, 1W space T-U-E. That's one week from Tuesday. And you can select multiple items on the Mac and do it as one big block or whatever. Um, but... The whole system works really well for me. When I get into trouble is when I stop using that discipline in the morning to set those tasks up. Um, at the end of the day, I'll do a little bit more management, but it's not nearly as much because I've, I've done a good job at the beginning of the day to keep the list narrow. And one of the big picture items of task management, to my mind, is the concept of cranking widgets. And this kind of fits into the earlier discussion. And I'm pretty sure this one comes from David Allen, but I know somebody has said this before. Um, Maybe it was Merlin, uh, but, uh, you know, the idea of a task management system is not to manage the tasks, but to crank the widgets. And when you reduce your tasks to just, you know, things that you need to do and by using descriptive terms and setting up tasks that are, are really just like a monkey could read it and then go do it with the right skill set, obviously, um, it feels really good just going through and checking items off all day and you really get into a rhythm and it feels great. Does that sound crazy? I don't know, but it works for me. Hey, as, as long as it works for you, you know, I, I'm I, not, I'm not sure that the fiddling with, with deferred dates every morning is, is something that would work for me, but you know, you've got, and that's something that I need to play with. I, I know you posted them at one point over on Max Sparky and maybe we'll link to them a, a very complex set of, of perspectives and maybe complex is the wrong word, but a, a very customized set of perspectives that you've set up specifically for this. And I've just got a few different perspectives set up. I still use perspectives. And um, so maybe maybe fiddling with the deferred dates wouldn't be so hard, but I, I definitely think I need to make more use of flags and 
I don't know, my, my due date method works for me because I, I put only enough things that are important as due dates that I feel like it's not losing that importance. But at the same time, I'm also not afraid to change it if I need to. There's not one simple gospel method for this stuff. Everything is relative to the amount of tasks you have and what software systems you're using, blah, blah, blah. But, um, and I don't want someone thinking that my way is the only way, but I would suggest if you haven't tried it before, uh, and I'm going to stop using the word fiddling because I don't think that's a, that's a fair word for what I do. It It's so quick to go through. And if I've got something on today already, but I know that I'm not going to need to deal with it or I'm not going to have time or energy or whatever to deal with it until 3 p.m. or until 7 p.m. when I'm home. Um, why not take the two seconds it takes to give it that time for the defer date and then then for the rest of the day, when I look at that list, the list is nice and small and it never feels overwhelming. I mean, for me, the paralysis comes in when I look at the list and there's just so many items on there. I don't even know where to start. And then I start scrolling up and down like I'm looking for, you know, something easy to pick off. And I don't want to do that. I just want to have a nice short list that I can get through. And I, I, I strongly suggest if you're a user of OmniFocus to go try that method for a few days and just see what happens. Um, we're running a little bit short on time and um, I want to take a quick break and talk about our last sponsor. But when we come back, just so you've got something to be thinking about, I want to talk a little bit about capturing and processing those tasks. And I don't mean that so much in terms of, um, you know, technical way of, oh, I, you know, use Siri or, oh, I forward them to the OmniFocus mail drop. Um, but I'm, I'm talking more in a, a, I guess a philosophical way would be the way to look at is, is how do you make sure, you know, when you're out and about and how do you make sure that you don't miss things that are important? So think about that and we'll come back to that. Uh, but I do want to thank our good friends over at Squarespace, uh, for sponsoring this episode. And, um, I'm a big fan of Squarespace. David's a big fan of Squarespace. Both katiefloyd.me and maxbarkey.com are run on Squarespace. It is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, um, and now even an online store with their Squarespace commerce platform. And, uh, they've got a special deal for us and, Back by popular demand uh, is our ever-famous coupon code. Uh, for 10% off, you can go to squarespace.com and use coupon code SHUTUPWESLEY uh, to save 10% off of your order. So uh, what does Squarespace do? Uh, Squarespace, quite simply, allows you to create a beautiful, customized website without having to be a programmer. Um, you can focus on what do you want to create? What is it that you want to say with your website? You don't have to worry about managing a CMS or worrying about a database or did something get corrupted or is this going to work? Uh, Squarespace takes care of the entire back end for you and you can just focus on whatever it is that you do. Do you write? Do you uh, have a photography portfolio? Uh, do you run a blog? Do you sell things? Do you Are you in a band? Do you make music? Whatever it is that you want to do, do what you want to do and let Squarespace handle the website for you. Uh, it is incredibly easy to create a beautifully designed website with Squarespace. They've got customized templates. 
uh, that you can use one of their off-the-shelf templates, and then you can customize it uh, to your heart's delight uh, using easy drag and drop, and just a you know move a few sliders, click a few buttons, uh, and you can have a totally custom look and feel. Uh, and they've got great 24/7 technical support, uh, live chat, email, uh, located in New York City, Dublin, and Portland, so that they can get you anywhere across the globe. In fact, uh, just this week, I um, I had a question. And I actually used one of our previous sponsors' tapes to uh, make a quick video of my Squarespace site and something that was going on. Um, sent it over to Squarespace, and I did it right before I went to bed. And by the time I got up this next morning, boom, there was the solution sitting in my inbox. So they are incredibly responsive. Uh, plans start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you decide to sign up for a year. And you can get started, no credit card required. Just start building your website. Uh, go over, and when you sign up and you decide to buy, uh, use the offer code, here we go, shut up Wesley, and get 10% off to show your support for Mac Power users. And we want to thank Squarespace for their continued support of 5x5 and Mac Power users. And uh, go check them out, and your better web starts with Squarespace. You know, we need to get Will Wheaton on for a workflow show. Oh, that would be so cool. I bet we know somebody any, who knows him. If anybody out there can hook us up with Will Wheaton, please do so. Maybe we should ask Rod. You know, Rod was on our show. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think of that. Well, anyway. Um, oh, Ken. I bet Ken uh, Ray can hook us up. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we know way, people. Um, uh, so getting back to kind of OmniFocus, and your first question was Capture. And uh, I I use whatever works to, to capture. I use drafts all the time. If I'm on my iPhone or iPad and I can't talk, I use the inbox. You know the Siri method. We haven't really we've danced around that subject, but so there's a there's a method in in iCloud where the device can see a specified box in your reminders list, and um, and they figured that out at OmniFocus. So. OmniFocus will go and grab anything in a specific reminders list and add it to your OmniFocus inbox. And it's a, it's a simple setting. Um, you can do it on the iPhone and the iPad. You, we actually had a listener write in talking about how they were using it to capture two different lists that way by doing it on two different devices. But the more simple level, the way I use it is I have it pointed at a box and reminders that's called the inbox of all things. So I can be walking down the street and hear uh, somebody on a podcast say something that I want to look into. And I will add, I will say, add, check out, you know, spicy pickles to my inbox list. And then Siri puts it in my inbox list and OmniFocus goes and grabs it and puts it in my inbox and OmniFocus, it's all seamless. That happens very quickly. Uh, Another way I... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, go go a little higher level with me. Let's say you're you're sitting at your desk and you're taking a phone call, and yeah. somebody raises up a couple of things that you need to do from the phone call, or you know you you're checking the mail and in the mail are uh, you know a list a couple of things that generate tasks that you you need to do. How do you how do you make sure that you don't miss any of those things? It just all depends on where I'm at and what's easiest. I carry note cards in my pocket, so I may write something on a note card. And, um, you know, in my mind, a note card is not complete until there's a big X through it. So if I pull a note card out of my pocket and there's not an X through it, that means there's something I need to do with that information. So I'll add it to OmniFocus. 
um, when I'm on the phone with somebody, um, I may be taking notes in Envy Alt or in Unclutter. You know, Unclutter that um, is an app that one of our sponsors uh, puts out uh, where you can just drop down a little top third of the screen anytime there's a text field and I can type in there and it's the same thing. It's like a note card. I have to deal with that text in there somewhere. And a lot of times it goes into OmniFocus. Um, there's a very easy keyboard combination OmniFocus to open up a new task. So it just depends where I'm at. I mean, if I'm walking around, I'll pull out a piece of paper out of my pocket and write it down. All the, you know, I've just got a, a couple different systems I have that, that I collect information from, but that it all needs to end up in OmniFocus if I'm ever going to do it. How about you? Uh, it's a work in progress. I mean, I I tend to use if I'm if I'm sitting at my desk, I almost always use the quick entry trick, which for me I've got set as control space. And so if I'm talking with somebody, it's control space, and this is what I need to do, and it pops into the inbox. Um, the the quick snippet yeah. I think is 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 what it's called. Um, or I'll do the um, what's it called the Clipatron three thousand. If something yeah. is is generated off of a mail tax, uh, or if I'm out and about, just just forward that to to mail drop. But the piece that I'm still struggling with, which is why I, I I asked the question, I seem to be very good at capturing electronic tasks or tasks that happen when I'm on my iPhone or when I'm on my iPad. Um, the piece that I I still seem to be missing is what how do I capture tasks in the analog world when I when I have a meeting with somebody when I'm talking on the phone with somebody when somebody brings something in and and it generates something and I have a physical inbox on my desk um, you know just a, a very simple box that that people throw things in and so I I try to make a case and I'm not always good at it but I try to make a case to physically process that inbox every day. And things come out of that inbox and they either go into filing, they go into OmniFocus or, or something happens with them. But, you know, sometimes I'm just not ready to do something with them. So I don't know if maybe I need to add a second inbox and do a an inbox and a holding box or, or what? For me, uh, paper is very transitory in my life. I, I don't keep uh, a lot of handwritten notes when I'm in a meeting and I write something out on paper. I process it as soon as the meeting's over. And that's a, this is unrelated, but another good tip for meetings is schedule yourself time before and after a meeting before to get your act together. And afterwards to, to process whatever happened and make sure that you add tasks that you agreed to and whatever. Uh, when I'm in a meeting, I, in the left margin, I just write OF. And then, and sometimes if it's a boring meeting, I'll try little squares. I'm one of those people that doodles. Do you ever doodle when you take notes? Mm. No. That sounded judgmental again, Katie. No, I'm just it's saying. not judgmental. I just don't doodle. I'll, I'll, I'll doodle around. I've never been up, a doodler. Way, so I, I get out of the meeting and I um and I'll I'll, I'll look through the piece of paper and I'll add some omnifocus tasks. Maybe I'll add a future calendar entry if we've agreed to a new thing. I did a whole we did a whole show on meetings. I don't need to go there again. But um. When I finish the meeting, I will capture it right there. It, it all gets reduced to digital very quickly in my life. And I, I've just learned because every time I don't reduce it to digital quickly, I end up dropping the ball on something and looking like a dork. So I, I don't do that anymore. Cool. I'm not sure I gave you an acceptable answer, though. Well, I think the answer is I still need to work on it. But I need to figure out what to do with my physical inbox because, yes, I need to process things in my physical inbox, but that doesn't mean I can necessarily get rid of what's in my physical inbox because I haven't necessarily dealt with it yet. Yeah. So maybe well, you know, I having need... this 
having a Fujitsu scanner in your office would be a help. You know, it's I do, I do. digitized. I do. Yeah. But, uh, uh, um, yeah. one of the things I feel like about an inbox is you should, you know, that all that time I spent talking about filtering and being critical of something, whether it should be there or not. I don't really run those filters so much when I add stuff to the inbox. Uh, I'm okay with adding a bunch of stuff to the inbox, so long as you're willing to go through later and, you know, get the long knives out. So, you know, I, I'm inclusive when I bring it in and I'm exclusive as I process. Okay. Just the the part makes- of my brain that, that figures that something I may want to do is not the part that should be deciding whether I should actually do it. Now you sit down and you process your OmniFocus inbox morning, night, first thing, last thing, everything or. Yeah. Morning, every morning. Like I said, I mean, I, I go in and, and with, if you haven't done it for a while, and if you're, if you've fallen off the wagon, you're going to have a little bit of a, a time investment. But once you get it sorted out and you're realistic and you start deleting things you can't do, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to have that whole process done, including a review of any outstanding review projects with 15 minutes. I mean, I do a lot of things. I've got a big OmniFocus database and I can do it in 15 minutes every morning. And then at that point, I'm cranking widgets. Crank those widgets. If you're spending more than, and I understand that occasionally you'll go in there. Like I came back from vacation and it was a mess because on vacation, I didn't even open it up. I just decided my priority was vacation. And, and I had, you know, a big list of, of stuff that was showing as active. And I had to go through and be realistic about what I could kill and what I could push off a week and what needed to get done right now. And now it's back to ground zero. And that whole process took me like an hour, but I, everything is managed and I feel okay. Um, but if, if you do it on a daily basis, you're not going to have that, that hour time investment once you get rolling. Um, right. so there's a couple different, there's a couple different runs. I think you can do on this stuff. Um, I, I have in my mind, I, I have a couple names for them. The, the linear run is where you have the today, today view and you go through by the projects and figure out where things go that I described earlier. Um, you can also do, kind of the project run, uh, which is saying, okay, rather than go at these things kind of top to bottom, I'm just going to pick it, pick and choose specific projects. One of the things you can do in OmniFocus that some people don't realize is you can set a start date or a defer date for an entire project. Um, I'm now getting in deep on the next field guide and there's some updates I want to do on the email book. And last night I, I bit the bullet and realized those aren't going to happen until I finish this, this next book. So I deferred the entire project, you know, back three months and in three months, I'll see that stuff. But for now it's off my plate. So that's the project run. And then I have what I call the flag run. And because I do use flags sometimes, um, sometimes I'll just say, okay, I'm just going to look at what things are available to me and are flagged. And I'm just going to get those done. And that's kind of my version of the write three things down and get them done. Um, and the, the, the due date run is, I guess, always important. If something turns red in OmniFocus, I just drop everything and deal with it because Mm -hmm. that to me is, is really heading for disaster. That's when you see the iceberg and the ship is at full steam. So, <laughs> so that, that, um, that you stop everything and fix that problem. And one of the other advantages of something like OmniFocus is because you've got this stuff managed, it's all right 
to drop everything and you know, it's not going to break. I mean, I, we had a, something happen with my kids recently where suddenly I needed to give all my attention to, to her. And, um, you know, I look at my OmniFocus and there's like 15 items in there and none of them have a due date approaching. One of them is flagged, but when I looked at it, the flag wasn't something, you know, it wasn't a due type flag, but it's just something important, but it's not so important. It's not more important than the, the crisis I was facing. So I, I selected my clear, clear perspective, which you'll be able to find if you go download them at my website and I hit command a to select all of them in my list for that day. And I went to the right column and I hit plus one day and everything disappeared. And I was able to focus on what I needed to focus on for the rest of that day. So, I mean, once you get this stuff in place, there are just real great advantages to, to managing your life and, and keeping everything in balance. So can we check this one off? Yeah, why not? One, I could talk longer about this stuff, but um, it's uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think it would get boring <laughs> if it hasn't already. But uh, if you go to maxsparky.com and you search OmniFocus, you'll see a lot of posts I've written over the years. A couple of the ones I'm I'm more proud of is one of them called uh, "When the Bullets Are Flying." That was a and great the post, argument. Yeah. The argument I make in that post is it's really easy to say, you know, once you get into a system like this and you're working with it, but all of a sudden things get really crazy and it's really easy to say, okay, well, I'm just going to forget about all that and just write down my list of three items and ignore OmniFocus. I think that's a mistake because the back of your mind is going to be freaking out the whole time that you're missing something and you probably are. So my argument is have a good system and even take the time to manage it when the bullets are flying. Um, uh, I've done quite a few posts that I think are, are kind of more opinion type on task management over the years. Um, another one I wrote that I think is helpful is, is I review every day, every time there's a review item that pops up, I do the review. I think when you let all the review stuff stack up for a couple of weeks and it's such a big project that you don't do a good job of reviewing, you might review the first couple projects. Well, but by the time you get to the third or fourth, you're just tapping the review key and moving on. And I think you should really be mindful when you review a project and with OmniFocus two on the Mac, They've got a little kind of like little flag in the left column that shows you if anything shows up for review and taking the time to do that and doing it with a little bit of time and attention makes it a much better review process. That's another post. And then I did a post, uh, like Katie said, summarizing all of my perspectives. And I thought that would be pretty useful to people as well. Well, can I add one more task to your task list and maybe add a due date or maybe add a flag to it? Oh, can I ask one more post though? Oh, go ahead. Um, I think it was called Insanity, uh, uh, Taskless Insanity. I'll have to look it up. But it, it's the one where I write about um, the whole idea of having just taking on so much that you can't do anything. Okay. It becomes paralyzing. All right. All right. So what's your last task? I have a task for you. Okay. Uh-oh. Because I'm not allowed to add things to your OmniFocus list. You are not. That's so, correct. So you're going to have to add it. But um, you have okay. been you have been challenged. Yes, I know. Are you aware of this? I just before we got on, I saw it, Katie Floyd. Yes. So I got challenged to do the ALS ice bucket challenge. Yeah. And so I figured I'd share the love. And all um, right. So I I challenged not only you, David. This is kind of a big deal. 
I challenged you, but I also challenged the members of the Mac Power Users community. It's and a lot of people. It's a lot of It's people. a lot of ice water. It's a lot of ice water. <laughs> and, you know, so I thought maybe they could take their videos and uh, post them on the MPU Google Plus group. And hopefully we'll all raise a lot of money for uh, the ALS Association is at the same time. Now, it's it's not, I should I should clarify, it's not just dumping cold water on your head. That's not it. You got to dump cold water on your head and you got to donate. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we've actually been donating for some time. We, it's kind of a, we had a close family member, um, you know, suffer from this a few years ago. So we were, it's very near and dear to our hearts. So I'm happy to contribute and happy to get dunked. So. We'll figure out something fun at the Sparks house. It'll probably be this weekend by the time I get it posted, but Okay. But I will get I will get ice watered. You will get ice watered and you'll get posted. I will get done. Get it posted. Yeah, okay. All right. I, did I look- see Tim Cook did it? I saw. That was great. And and did you see he was wearing flip flops? I was watching the video. He's wearing flip flops. Well, of course he was. Tim Cook. Of course he was, because he knew he was gonna get you don't want to get your shoes wet. I never took Tim for a flip flop guy. Well, you I wear flip flops when you know you're gonna get wet. I would just take my shoes off. Oh, I'm, yeah, I probably would take my shoes. But I bet the stage was hot because he was on a big black yeah. stage. So, all right, Katie Floyd, uh, right. task management. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, send in some audio comments if you've got some good ones, and we can put it in the live show at the end of the month and or at the beginning of next month, actually, which isn't too far away. And uh, I hope some of this stuff helps. It's really hard, but if if you spend a little time and get good at it, boy. It can really make a difference for you. And Uh, I will stop uh, preaching at this point. (laughs) Well, you can find links to everything that we've talked about, including all of David's posts at our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Katie Floyd. He's at Mac Sparky. And the show is at MacPowerUsers. Yeah, and you can send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. And thanks to our sponsors for today, 1Password, SaneBox, and Squarespace. And we will see you all next week.